The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lee Mod Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lee Mod Williams. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. We're Lee Mod Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Excited to be here for one more week as we prepare for a lot of sports kicking off this weekend. We have the NFL Week 2 season kicking off on Thursday night with the Jets versus the New England Patriots. Rolling to some excellent games this weekend with the college football season. Uh, now entering their third week, uh, we have the Texas A&M matchup, the sequel versus, versus the Alabama A&M, well, Alabama A&M, Alabama uh, Crimson Tide. So, and you can't forget about the Florida Mayweather fight which takes place Saturday night. So a lot of good things is taking place this weekend, excellent events, uh, sporting events, and we have the games finishing off on Sunday. The Texans will host uh, the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. I will be there covering the game as always. So a lot of fun things kicking off this Thursday, a lot of excellent games, and I'm excited about this week. Uh, just kind of recapping a lot of things that took place last week. Uh, can't can't start the show without starting talking about the Monday Night Football doubleheader. You had the Washington Redskins versus uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, and I will get a little bit more into those games in depth in the second segment. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the team that I've been covering for quite some time now, the Houston Texans. The Texans kicked off their season on the road against the San Diego Chargers Monday Night Football. It was a late kickoff uh, due to the fact that the Redskins and the Eagles played first, and the Texans was down for the most part, in the first half, but they came out strong, showing uh, being a mature team this season and, and was able to pull it out against the San Diego Chargers with a late field goal, 31-28. Uh, to 28. Uh, The Texans are a team that's looking to make it to a push for the Super Bowl. Uh, last two seasons, they, they was able to make it to the playoffs. However, they lost uh, in the playoff round last year. They lost to the New England Patriots, but Again, the Houston Texans, a team that came out strong. Well, not really strong. They came out flat. Uh, Matt Schaub threw that interception first play of the game. And um, for him to bounce back mentally and stay in the game, keep fighting was a lot. Uh, you know, showed me a lot as a, as a former player and just as a uh, media uh, outlet and, and journalist. I was able to watch him and critique him. Matt Schaub finished uh, with 34. Well, he was 34 for 45 for 346 yards and three touchdowns. That one interception again uh, was in the beginning, the first play of the series in the first quarter. With the And he also was sacked 
twice for 17 yards. So uh, the Texans uh, was pumped up and excited, and uh, I, I was able to get the soundbite of Coach Kubiak being able to talk to the team and address the team right after the game. So I'm going to go ahead and get Matt, my producer, to go ahead and play that soundbite, and after we finished up with that, I'll recap. You know, it's tough. It's hard to win every week. And we played probably as bad as we could play for half, and even some of that third quarter. But this room understands that, and it keeps freaking battling, okay? And that's why we got a chance to go where we all want to go, okay? Unbelievable job, okay? First off, defensively in the second half, after that first drive, Cush makes a huge play, huge, okay? Offensively, you know, we're throwing it every down. Our quarterback, after starting the way he did early, played like a champ, okay, the rest of the way. Uh, hey, I'm going to get one ball. I could probably give a, a bunch of them for the big plays that were made. We got a young character that stepped up and got it done. Yes, Showed tremendous maturity. That's the reason we're walking out of here with a win tonight. Now, now let's show tremendous maturity, okay? Enjoy this for the ride home, and then let's go fix what we did wrong. Fair enough? Okay, let's get strong. Let's own up to what we did wrong, and let's go fix it. Family on three. One, two, three. And as you can hear, Houston Texans head coach Gary Kubiak addressing his team after a wonderful comeback win on Monday Night Football. And you can hear the excitement in the locker room, both uh, from the coach and from the players. And that's the mindset. That's the mindset as a team uh, from last week, or really Monday night going into this weekend. They want to continue to build and be mature as a team. They want to focus and stay true to their game plan. Uh, they could have rallied. They could have fell behind, and, and which they did fall, fall behind early, but they could have just folded up the table and just said, hey, we're done, and, and, and you know, we'll gather ourselves next week but you know for, for them to be able to come back on the road for them to show heart and, and keep fighting keep believing in the system uh was tremendous andre johnson again what can you say about the future all of famer for the houston texans uh had a phenomenal performance his numbers he finished up with 12 receptions uh 446 yards did not have a touchdown but he was targeted 16 times so that means matt schaub in those tight situations, goes to a guy that he can rely on, which is Andre Johnson. Uh, the connection and chemistry is, is, is like no other. For them to continue to build on that on week one uh, speaks volumes. You know, Arian Foster came back <clears throat> for his first game. He did not play in the preseason. He had some injuries, uh, calf, and he had some back issues. But he was able to step in, and as a starter, he, was only, he only carried the ball 18 times for 50, 57 yards. Uh, but he did not have any touchdowns. But I like the effort from the backup running back, Ben Tate. Ben Tate is a guy that's been fighting. Well, first of all, he's going to his final contract season. So for all the listeners out there that knows anything about a guy going to his final contract season, you're going to play your, or you try to play your best football. And right now Ben Tate is chopping at the bit. He's aggressive and he's very competitive right uh, between – it's a competition between Tate and, and Foster. Tate brought that energy off the, off the bench running hard and, 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 and continued to attack the defense as Arian Foster trying to find his way and get back into um, game shape or getting some game reps to feel more comfortable out there. To me, the MVP of the, of the game was Owen Daniels, the tight end. I thought he played phenomenal, uh, especially in that fourth quarter. He had that one catch. 
out in the flats where he was able to make that move and, get, and pick up the first down, which helped the drive get past the 50-yard line for that field goal. Uh, Owen Daniels finished up with five receptions for 67 yards and two touchdowns. He was targeted seven times. I like his energy. I like what he brought to the table. And, uh, you know, he, if he can continue to be a, a security blanket for Matt Schaub, as well as Matt Schaub developing that relationship with uh, his future Hall of Famer wide receiver, Andre Johnson, you, you never know. Then you have the rookie, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, on the opposite side. Texans have some, op- I mean, have some weapons outside of Andre Johnson to get it done. Matt Schaub, quarterback, starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, was able to address the media after the game. So I'm going to go ahead and play that soundbite and get Matt to play that soundbite for me right now. You know, guys never gave up. We just kept battling, kept playing, you know, taking one play at a time and, you know, found a way to make the plays. The defense played huge, you know, in the second half after the first series. And, you know, we just may try to make enough plays on offense to put ourselves in position to score. And we did. Guys made plays. We've been around each other so much. And when you look at our huddle, I mean, uh, Really, DeAndre is the only new face. You know, Greg Jones, but he's played in enough games and enough football in his career that, you know, very few things need to be said. You know, you just look each other in the eye and you just say, let's go. Let's just make plays. And you just, as you start to move the football, get a first down, get another first down, then get your first score. You know, things uh, start happening and positive things keep finding a way to happen for your football team when that and that continues to go. Yeah, it took everybody. You know, for us to be down, especially after the first series of the third quarter, 28-7, you know, we don't do that, those things, and come back and win this game without everyone on offense, everyone on defense making plays, and then obviously our special teams finishing it off. I mean, it took everybody. Again, the Houston Texans starting quarterback Matt Schaub addressing the media after that comeback victory on Monday Night Football, the late game against the San Diego Chargers. Uh, a few things that Matt Schaub talked about in there, he's talking about the chemistry and he's talking about DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that guys outside of DeAndre Hopkins, everybody around on the team didn't seem rattled, didn't seem like they was concerned. It was like, okay, let's get together. Let's pull this thing together and let's get this victory. So that shows a sign of maturity. I go back to that, and it shows a team that's on a mission early in this season, uh, finishing up week one, which is a, they, were, they were the last game of week one, uh, to be focused on the late-night game and, and, and try to pull it out and get it done. Defensively, what can you say? In the second half, the Houston Texans defense stepped up Brian Cushing, uh, you know, Texas middle linebacker, was able to get that interception return for a touchdown. And actually the Texans shut out the Chargers in the fourth quarter as the offense finally got it going late in the fourth to be able to produce 17 points. But back to Brian Cushing. He's a guy that got a contract extension right before week one. We're going to week one game. He got a contract extension, five-year deal. So it just proves that the Texans are making the right steps. It proves that the Texans are putting the right people in place in their organization, on the team, offensively and defensively, uh, to be successful. I really like what Brian Cushing did throughout the game. He wasn't uh, didn't look like he was out of place. He come, he's coming back from that knee injury last season. Uh, he had an ACL tear, and he's back. And uh, I think that, well, I know that interception with that touchdown gives him the boost and the confidence to be effective moving forward. Uh, going into week two. So, uh, heads off. You know, it was a great, great win for, for the Texans. One of the biggest wins in franchise history to come back uh, from a 21-point second-half deficit to be able to stun the San Diego Chargers. Uh, real quick, Phillip Rivers, I thought, looked uh, really good as a quarterback. He was hitting his guys early. He was able to make plays. 
but but then again, it, it is the Chargers, and, and sometimes uh, they can shoot them their own self in the foot. And uh, you know, defensively, they seemed like they was gassed, they was winded. Talking about the San Diego Chargers in the second half, the Texans were able to show that they were been a well conditioned and was able to get it going. And Shane Lechner, Lechner um, the kicker for the Houston Texans out of Texas A&M, was able to nail that field goal and seal the deal. So, again, uh, just kind of summing it up a little bit here. I, I'll go a little bit more into it later in the in, in the show when my good buddy George call in, but. Right now, I just I'm, I'm excited why Seattle the Texans. I think it was a good, solid win. I thought for the fact that it was on the road, but they still have some things to work on as far as with their running game and defensively. So we'll see what it takes place as they prepare to play the Tennessee Titans here in Houston, Texas, this weekend uh, as they return home. And everybody should be excited for that game. And I'll be there covering it as well and bring you more sound bites as well. So. Looks like I'm approaching uh, about a minute before uh, break time. So let's go ahead and break, Matt, and when we come back, we'll go around the NFL, and we'll break down some other topics and other games throughout this week one. Next one outside the huddle, we'll leave Mike Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. 
or you can drop a line to Lemont Williams Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. So far, I'm moving fast through the show. Moving fast, kind of like the you know Chip Kelly offense in the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm just being funny. But no, uh, first segment, broke down and recapped the Houston Texans week one victory over the San Diego Chargers. Now moving into the second segment, as I call it, where I go around the NFL and kind of just break down and talk about other storylines and games throughout uh, week one. And starting first here, Got to start up there in Detroit and talk about the Indomica Sioux fine for 100K or $100,000 for the hit on Viking center, Jonathan Sullivan. And, you know, by now you all probably have seen, <clears throat> seen the highlight or the, the play where Indomica Sioux really chopped block and cut down the center from the Minnesota Vikings, Jonathan, I mean, John Sullivan. And it goes back to what I always say, your body of work, positive or negative, in this case it's negative for Indomitian Sioux, will, will affect you moving forward. Now, was it a healthy, healthy fine as uh, far as $100,000? Yes. Due to the fact that he's been, the last fine that he got was 30000 last year for kicking the Houston Texans quarter, quarterback, Matt Schaub, in the groin. So you add on $70,000 on top of the 30000 from last year. But it goes back to his body of work. He's a guy that's now has been labeled as the most dirtiest player in the NFL. And what's odd is that <clears throat> when I met Indomitian Sioux a couple of years ago, well, I want to say like three or four years ago, he was here in Houston for the Lombardi, uh, Lombardi uh, Award where he actually won it when he was still at Nebraska. And you, his demeanor and the way he carried himself was so laid back, so like uh, – you know, so reserved, you would think that he was an introvert. You, you didn't really believe that he had a mean street in, him, street in him like he's this playing on Sunday. But I know you want your players to be aggressive. I know you want your players to be physical and be dominant. But, uh, you know, these type of plays not just affect him now in his pocket or, you know, in his salary, but it's, it affects the team. I mean, it gives the perception that, the Detroit Lions have a guy on their team, especially defensive side of the ball, that's going to do whatever it takes, you know, to in his mind to feel like he needs to do whatever it takes to play dirty for him to be successful on the field. And he's and he's not that type of player. He's a very physical player. I mean, remember in the preseason, he ran down the well, he ran down the running back on the first well, one of the first two plays of running get, plays, and he took him out as if it was the regular season. So. The intensity is there. The will and the desire to be great is there from Indomitian However, <clears throat> after watching that play where he chop-blocked John uh, Sullivan, it just was un- unnecessary. It was uncalled for. Yeah, players bad enough. Players are concerned about head injuries and unforeseen injuries. But then you have a guy uh, that's intentionally trying to take another guy out, and you have a reputation of doing that. I think you, you know, the only way he'll wake up is either one to kick him out of the league, or two, well, at this point, one to hit him in his, I mean, in his wallet for 100k, or two to kick him out of the league. So, uh, hopefully, this is a wake-up call for Dominic Sue. Hopefully, he can grow from this. Hopefully, that everyone in the league can see this and <clears throat> they can go from uh, grow from it as well. But Sue agent is appealing 
uh, the fine, which is, you know, typical protocol, in my opinion, what certain agents and, and representation they're going to do for their, their clients. But I think enough, is, <laughs> enough has been said about the way he plays uh, between the line of scrimmage or the plays after the ball is snapped. And anytime you have evidence of a guy doing something that he should not supposed to be doing, uh, it's hard to overturn that. So uh, I think he should take the fine and just, which is the largest fine in NFL history, uh, without a suspension. I'm just reading that as we speak. So that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money, especially in this day and time. Uh, this economy that we live in, you know, professional football player or not, anytime you lose a hundred thousand dollars off a hit, I uh, mean, you'll feel that effect, and, and I'm pretty sure he's going to try to make the best decision for himself and the best decision for the team moving forward. I'm talking about Indomitian Sue. All right, going forward, the first game I mentioned on the Monday Night Football docket was the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Washington Redskins. And, again, as I'm moving in fast pace tonight, that's how fast paced the game was in the first quarter. Philadelphia, everybody wants to know, what kind, what type of offense would they present to the NFL under Chip Kelly in their new offensive scheme and new coaching? I tell you one thing, Boys America, they did not let down anybody <laughs> uh, in that first half. I mean, they snapped the ball 30 times. They were flying around. It seems like Vic was in sync with his running back. Uh, McCoy, he was in sync with his wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson. It just seemed like they was on – uh, a whole other level as far as playing football and being entertaining uh, and having fun with it in the first quarter. And it was exciting to see. It was very exciting to see the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles offense back because you have to remember last year it was a totally different team. I want to say they finished up four and twelve in the regular season, and uh, that's why the, the you know the changes were made with Chip Kelly and bringing in Chip Kelly for Andy Reid. I'm looking at the stats right now. The Eagles produces 12 points in the first quarter, 14 in the second. To the Redskins, only seven points. So for the most part, the Redskins was dead skins in the first first half. No one uh, came to play. RG3 seemed like he was out of sync with his offensive players due to the fact that he did not play any preseason games. Uh, and that was recommended by his head coach, Mike Shanahan, not to play any preseason games throughout the first uh, uh, preseason and he wanted to play, and he showed on on the field. He did not look like a guy that was in tune with his offense. He looked like a guy that was trying to figure it out, kind of really not really favoring the knee, but he was protecting the knee by his mechanics in the pocket. But he got things going late in the first. I mean, late in the second half, where they was able to try to make a push in the fourth quarter, where the Eagles kind of coast through the second half. Uh, looking at the stats real quick. Uh, again, the Eagles outrushed the Redskins. I think that's what hurt the Redskins for the most part. Alfred Morrison, um, the the running back, was the six-round running back for the Washington Redskins last year, did not get up to a strong start. They ended up with 74 rushing yards. Uh, Morris had 45 total with one touchdown, whereas the Eagles, 263. I mean, that means they're controlling the clock which they did. Time of possession was 32 minutes to the Redskins, 27. Uh, 
But for the and, and the turnovers, the turnovers is another thing that killed the Washington Redskins. One fumble, two interceptions against a team um, like the Philadelphia Eagles, and that fast-paced offense will hurt you. Now let's 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 break down this offense offensively. Somebody asked me today, do I think that the Chip Kelly offense have any stand power going forward in the NFL? And I I believe so as of right now, due to the fact the NFL is a team that makes adjustments and. And it's a copycat league, so by the time defensive coordinators get a chance to get their hands wrapped around what Chip Kelly is really producing each and every week on the field in that fast-paced offense, they're going to have some success that, uh, with that because no one uh, is going to be able to make a, that adjustment that quick in a short week. When I say short week, because give or take games on Sunday, Monday is kind of like a recovery, watch the film day, Tuesday the players are off. And Wednesday is when they implement the game plan for that, that following or the up-and-coming Sunday against the next team. So it's tough to kind of make those type of adjustments on the fly in, uh, in season. But all in all, the Redskins will bounce back. I think RG3, Robert Griffin III, is mature enough to get back out there and, and work through his uh, mistakes. And I like the fact that he owned up to him and said he didn't, no excuse. I just got to go out there and play better. <clears throat> Deshaun Jackson looked, man, he was excite, exciting and explosive. He Seven receptions looked like the old D. Jackson from back in the day when he was a rookie. Seven receptions for 104 yards, one touchdown. Michael Vick, favorite target. He went to him nine times. And, uh, you know, it was exciting to see Deshaun Jackson out there making plays. Um, you know, it was, it was one of those things that you wanted to see guys progress and new offenses, and, and right now Deshaun's showing that he really likes this Chip Kelly fast-paced offense. Let me see here before I move forward with this Eagles and Redskins uh, Monday night football game. Talked about Vic Griffin, uh, Shady McCoy. Uh, you know, McCoy had 184 rushing yards and one touchdown. But the fact that he was able to be effective in space, uh, LaShawn McCoy, I call him Shady McCoy, but LaShawn McCoy was able to be effective in the space in, in spaces, and uh, I like the blocking schemes that the Eagles had for him to be able to get him on the outside edge to attack the you know the the linebackers quick from the from the Redskins standpoint, which is a, which was effective for the Philadelphia Eagles early on, which allows uh, LaShawn McCoy to be a good running back in, in that Monday Night Football game. So. It would be fun to see how it all bounced back, how the Eagles prepare for this week and how the Redskins recover as they play another tough team that's going to be 0-1. Well, it's 0-1 now, going to 0-2. Well, hopefully it will not be 0-2. That's the Green Bay Packers on the road. So it's get tougher and tougher for the Redskins as as well for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go back here. We talked about Indy uh, and Dominic Sue. We talked about the Redskins. Um, I lost track right here. Let me go back. Another thing about uh, that Monday night game that I like is the fact that, you know, just you got to think about the process that Robert Griffin III went through this whole offseason just to get back to that point. I mean, we overlooked that sometimes, but for a guy that had a, a bum knee and for him to be able to be dedicated to his craft, dedicated to his rehab, and get back and be there on week one. A lot of people doubted the fact that he was going to come back 
for him to be back on week one, to be a starter, uh, that speaks volumes to his work ethic. That speaks volumes to the Redskins organization, training staff. And uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see how he gets better each and every week. Another NFC game from this weekend, past weekend, I was impressed with, was one of the early games. It was the Atlanta Falcons visiting the New Orleans Saints. And for so many reasons, I was excited to see this game. Sean Payton, coach, head coach for the New Orleans Saints, finally made his debut back into the NFL after being suspended for the, uh, you know, the bounty gate or whatever you want to call it, uh, pay-to-play situation. So he was back. Drew Brees, how will he respond to having his quarter? I mean, his head coach back as a quarterback this year. The Falcons, you know, their team trying to push for the Super Bowl, playing against their NFC rival. On week one, and you know Tony Gonzalez, he's coming back from not retiring and, and being to be effective and proactive for the offense. So it's a lot of storylines going into that game this weekend. It was a very physical game too. The Saints winning twenty three to seventeen over the Atlanta Falcons, and it came down to the last play of the game, where the new improved. Uh, I want to say Rex Ryan, but it's not Rex Ryan. Uh, it's my his name slips my mind. The twin brother of Rex Ryan. Defensive coordinator is now the defensive coordinator for the uh, New Orleans Saints. And the fact that from last year to this year is a tremendous big difference. I mean, the fact that they were able to make plays and be physical against uh, the Atlanta Falcons spoke volumes to me. Offensively, I thought the uh, Saints, you know, they was able to work, you know, just be able to be effective and do what they need to do. Drew Brees was 357 yards for two touchdowns. He had that one interception. He gave up two sacks. But for the most part, that's Drew Brees. He likes those are a good, a good numbers for him. Uh, he wants to be up in that range, the 300 to 350 range per game throwing the ball. Uh, Dan Sproles was outstanding as a receiver and as a runner uh, for the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, that's that one-two combination. You get him out in the flats, he's a short guy. You get him out in the flats, he can beat the outside uh, linebackers, or you can get him between the tackles, and he can bust through the gaps and, and get you some positive yards. So Sproles was pretty good offensively for the New Orleans Saints. And going to the opposite side, where Matt Ryan, I thought, looked a lot better on the road against the Saints, he, he finished up his numbers was 304 for two touchdowns and one interception. But the thing that hurt him is that he held the ball a little bit too long, giving up three sacks for 25 yards. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, you know, future Hall of Famer player, was uh, solid for them as uh, he had those touchdown passes uh, and receptions uh, for the New Orleans. I mean, excuse me, for the Atlanta Falcons. Defensively for the Falcons, I thought at times they let up. Uh, they let the, the Saints kind of control the momentum, was rightfully so. They planned at home, but I thought that uh, you know the Falcons secondary was kind of you know more react reactive mode instead of proactive out there on the field. Uh, and that's where that's where it's going to have to happen for the Falcons this season if they're going to make that push to the next level and get to the Super Bowl. Is that they got to. Sh- uh, shore up some of those gaps and holes they have in the secondary against a passing team. It's a lot of teams out there now that's passing the ball, and the Saints are one of, are one of the teams that like to pass the ball with Drew Brees, so you got to really uh, fix those gaps in, in situations like that on the road. So that kind of wraps up the Saints game and, and the Falcons. Let me see, check my time. 
Uh, am I pressing right at at the break? All right, real quick here. San Francisco 49ers, Green Bay Packers. What an excellent afternoon game uh, on Sunday uh, with the 49ers taking that game over the Packers. Now, I got to say this. Colin Kaepernick, man, I, you know, I've been watching this kid since he's – I've been covering him and watching this kid as he progressed in the NFL. He is he is the real deal. I mean, if he's continued to play on his pace that he played against the Packers, man, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get ugly. I mean, Anquan Bolden, he had a phenomenal day. had uh, 13 receptions for 208 yards, one touchdown. The Kaepernick numbers was 412. Three touchdowns. Well, here's the most part. He had, I mean, the most important part is that he had zero interceptions. Kaepernick, the guy coming into his second season as a starter, led the team to the Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers. Man, it, it was, man, it was something to watch. Watching him out there work the offense, uh, do a lot of that zone read scheme where everyone said, oh, it's kind of like uh, the flavor of the month. But I, I'm really believing that this. Zone Reed's here to stay. As long as Kaepernick stays healthy, stay upright, um, you never know what's going to take place with him each and every week. He's exciting to watch, and uh, I can't wait to see him watch. I can't wait to see what he's going to do this Sunday uh, for for the San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay, they, they gave a great fight, but they were just going against a better team. I mean, they played a better team that day in the San Francisco 49ers, and as the Packers kind of learn from those issues and learn from that game, He'll play the Washington Redskins at home on Sunday. So it pretty much sums up uh, segment two there. We talked a little bit about Andamica Sioux, recap the Redskins, Eagles. We talked about the Saints and uh, Atlanta Falcons. And I just gave you my thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. So, man, let's go ahead and break, take a break, and hopefully George will be ready to call in and I get his thoughts on a lot of NFL football games from this past weekend. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mark Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle. Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Man, what a first two segments. Rolling by myself, but now I got my partner in crime, George, better known as G-Man. With me on the phone, finishing up his class. So, George, how was school, man? How was class? It was good, man. I'm getting getting a little learning in, and I get to get a little bit of sports in. So, I'm excited to be on. Glad to have you, man. And let's go ahead and recap and get your thoughts on the Houston Texans victory over the San Diego Chargers Monday night, that late Monday night football game, winning with the late field goal and getting that first W for the 2013 season. I think it's a nice win for the team. It it actually gets the team over a, a proverbial hump that they've been on uh, for the past couple of years. The Texans have really become this team that you feel once they're behind, they're not coming back. So I think, if anything, the, the victory is more of a moral victory for the Texans than it is actually in the stat column. I know that it, it counts, but at the same time, I think that Gary Kubiak and company over there on Kirby – they really feel like they need to be able to play all four quarters the way that they played the second half. And that's always a big thing whenever you're playing in the NFL because if you go down like that on a team like the 49ers or a team like the Patriots, a team like the Denver Broncos, which are all teams that the Texans will have to play this year, if you go down on, on, on a team like that, they're not coming back, I'm sorry to say. And, and if you're Texans fans out there, it's, it's just a it, – it's, it's the honest truth. If you're down on Peyton Manning, he's not going to allow you to come back like that. Um, and, and it's one of those things that the Texans, at least they know that they can come from a deficit like that. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to play the first two quarters similar to the way they played the first, uh, the second half. Yeah, the second half was, you know, where the maturity and the experience kicked in for the Houston Texans. They showed that they were a team that can continue to fight and push through adversity, and they definitely did that in the second half. How huge was that? Brian Cushing interception, and how excited would you were you to see him get that interception after signing that contract extension last week? It's like JJ Watt said; he definitely earned that money that he that he just signed for. So, and and JJ Watt actually made a joke about it. He said that he's surprised he was able to run all the way to the end zone with his heavy pockets like that. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's it it's, it was a great move, and it was a great great uh, great interception by Brian Cushing. You look, at, you look at a guy who was out after week five, I believe, of last season, um, went down with, with an, an ACL tear and wasn't able to come back for the remainder of the season. And this is his first regular season action since that incident. So 
to see a guy be able to pick pick one off that really was a hard catch to make in the first place, mm-hmm. um, and and to be able to take it all the way to the end zone and have that mentality of being the you know just one of the premier defenders on your team when when uh, when people like JJ Watt weren't able to step up, he was able to fill those shoes. So it's really it's really great to be able to see the Texans have their stud defense back, and I think that they'll be even more potent once uh, Antonio Smith comes back after being suspended for that first game. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, their defense, the Texans' defense, really kicked into overdrive in the second half, led by Brian Cush and J.J. Watt. I thought the secondary played a lot better than the first half. And You mentioned Antonio Smith coming back, being reinstated, uh, getting a chance to get back in there. Um, it's it's going to be exciting to see them play the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. I know I'm going to be there. You're going to be there on Sunday. So, uh, And we'll preview that game in the next segment. But i got to get your thoughts on this Indomikasu, uh fine for $100,000 for the uh, block. But I call it chop block below the waist of the offensive lineman. What's your uh, original thought or what did you think about it when you saw the fact that he was fine $100,000? To be honest, I thought the fine was a little bit soft. I think that the league – they want to pride themselves on wanting to be a player safety oriented league. But yet when, when players like Indomitian and Sue are repeat offenders, all they do is slap them on the wrist with a hundred thousand dollars. Now I know a hundred thousand dollars to a lot of us, to me included is a lot of money, but to him, that's a slap on the wrist. That's nothing. And, it, and I think that once you start affecting a player's playing time, which also affects his wallet, because he won't get paid for games that he's suspended on. So you find him the $100,000, but also suspend him a few games. You look at a player who stomped on another player on a Thanksgiving game. Um, he's been a repeat offender, and I just think that these dirty plays have no room in the NFL. Um, you look at a play like that, and, and it's funny that, that this comes up right after that because we were just talking about Brian Cushing, who was taken out for the season last year on a similar play um, with someone clipping in from behind after uh, – after when he was when he wasn't anywhere near the ball, so it's one of those things that we can't have those dirty plays in the league. And if if they continue to just give slaps on the wrist like this, I don't think that the players are gonna gonna take too much heat to their warning. So I think that you have to go a little bit harsher on those suspension or with the suspension or or, or something like that. I don't think that uh, that Indomitian Sue is gonna really learn from this. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's now take he's. Taking ownership of the dirtiest player in the NFL label or title, and he's wearing it around his neck as an honor badge, a badge of honor. And I really believe that he's hurting himself and his team. And if he has to be careful, or he might be up out of the league uh, in the near future. All right, got to get your thoughts on this Philadelphia fast-paced offense. Um, Chip Kelly, you think that offense is here to stay, or you just think it was just just a one-time deal? This this type of offense is is widely being considered as a Saturday offense. The reason why they call it that is because it's normally what you see during college games. And Chip Kelly has brought that to the NFL level, and I think that it's here to stay, along with this read option that you see that uh, the 49ers are running. I think that the reason why this type of offense can continue to click in the NFL is because it all is based off of a read. That's why it's called a read option. Um, when when the quarterback is in the backfield, they act as if they're going to hand it off to the running back, and they read the linebacker that's on the outside. If the linebacker comes after the quarterback, he hands it off. 
if the linebacker comes after the running back, the 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 quarterback keeps it. So it's it's one of those things that you can't go wrong on the play. So it's great to see something like that in the NFL because I think it adds a lot more intensity to the game. And on top of that, the league has already made rule changes to help the defend the defenders in this situation. The quarterbacks have now the quarterbacks of zone option schemes have now been considered to be running backs. So basically, you look at an RG3, you look at a Colin Kaepernick, you look at uh, Michael Vick, and if they look like they hand the ball off and you don't really know, you can still hit them as if they're a running back on a play-action play. So I think that that helps out a lot with the defender, so it's not just going to be a high-scoring game. But I th- definitely think this is here to stay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Robert Griffin third. what do you think about his performance? I think he did a great job in the second half. He was similar to the Texans where he had to shake off a little bit of the rust. But I think that RG3, he's going to continue to build from here. Uh, he's a guy who tore his ACL and then tore up his knee um, late in the season last year, and, and, and it really hurt him. But he didn't take that as something to use as a crutch. He took it as, okay, this is my motivation to be better for, for week one. And that has been his motivation the entire time. So I'm proud of him for the, the efforts that he's made. And I think that eventually he's going to become one of the premier quarterbacks in the league if this zone, zone option scheme continues to be, um, be as effective as it is. All right. Well, good stuff, man. It looks like it's time for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll preview the Texans game against the Tennessee Titans this weekend, George, and as well as talk about tomorrow's night. Thursday night game, the Jets versus the Patriots. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mike Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 from high school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports
You're Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Going into our last segment, George, before we wrap up the show, and uh, we talked about you. Well, I had a chance to get your thoughts and and your your feedback on the Houston Texans win uh, Monday night, late Monday night game. Man, a lot of did you stay up and watch the whole game, George, or you fell asleep and got up on the back end? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I had to fall asleep. I, uh, I have work in the morning, and I, it's okay though. That's what that's what the internet's for, right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's what the internet and other networks out there for, so you can see the highlights. But no, uh, had a chance to get your thoughts on Houston Texans. So speaking of the Texans, we'll break that game down or preview that game here shortly. But we have a major game, major game in the AFC East between the New England Patriots and the New York Jets. <laughs> J-T-E-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So, George, you know the Jets all preseason had the quarterback issue between uh, you know, Geno Smith, or it's going to be Mark Sanchez. They went with the rookie week one. The rookie stepped up and get, led him to a victory. Geno went 256, one touchdown, but he had one interception. Tom Brady, on the other hand, on the other hand, had 288 yards, two touchdowns, and he had one one interception as well. All right, George, who do you think will win and why? I think the Patriots are going to win this one. And it's not just because the Jets are one of the, the worst teams in the league. It's because of just pure stats. You look at the history of these teams, and the Patriots have won six consecutive um, meetings between these two teams. Six times in a row they've beaten them, um, as well as uh, the Patriots haven't lost to an AFC East team since 2011. And then the Patriots also haven't lost a divisional home game since 2008. So you look at a Patriots team who just doesn't lose at home to divisional opponents, as well as well as a quarterback in Tom Brady who can put up those numbers against the Jets defense that's kind of lackluster. So I, I give the Jets all the credit in the world for pulling out the win. I think that they did get a little bit of that Tebow luck um, in the end of the game with uh, the roughing, the, the unnecessary roughness call on Geno Smith. Um, running out of the sidelines. I think you see that play a lot, and uh, I think that that was a ticky-tack call. But that's either here nor there. They won the game, and I, I applaud them for that, for coming through the adversity of having a, a quarterback battle through the preseason, through the offseason, and still coming out with that victory. I think that was a great team win. But you're facing the Patriots, one of the best teams in the league. And you look at a quarterback in Tom Brady and a coach in um, – What's what's the Patriots coach name? I drew a blank. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. You look at a, a coach in Bill Belichick, and and, and it, that's one of the best quarterback coach tandems in the league. So I think that when it comes just strictly to that, I think the Patriots have to take this one. Okay. Well, I think the Jets will be able to find a way to be competitive throughout the game, but uh, it's always tough to play New England in New England. Uh, the Patriots will win another close game against the New York Jets. Okay, the Tennessee Titans will visit the Houston Texans at Reliance Stadium on Sunday. And the Texans right now are ranked seventh in the NFL with 
overall passing yards, 329, going against the Tennessee defense. George, break down this game between the Texans and the, and the uh, Titans. The key to a Texans victory in this game is going to be being able to play in all four quarters of the game. Um, not only that, they'll have to stop CJ2K, which I think is still a valuable asset and one of the best players on the Tennessee Titans team. They'll need to stop him and contain him as well. I think that that for the Texans to, to pull this divisional game out, they need to be able to be a complete team. I think that the special team stepped up, which is what I wanted to see in Monday night's game. Now they just have to put together all the phases in every single quarter, and I think that the Texans can pull this one out as well. But I also think that offensively, this battle between Foster and Tate is something that, that's going to be a very big issue going into the rest of the season. I think that the Texans need to play Tate a little bit more, and I'm, I'm, this is going to be a controversial thing, but if the Texans can play Tate more, he's going to be gone after this year because someone's going to sign him with a big contract. Mm-hmm. And then you leave a lot of miles on your your premier running back in Arian Foster. So I think that Foster may not like it, but I think that Tate needs to get more of the carries this year just so that they can preserve their investment, which is Arian Foster. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's, it never hurts a team to have a one-two punch at the running back position. And for the Texans to make that late push into the late playoffs, hopefully the Super Bowl, they're going to need Ben Tate performance, and they're going to need uh, Arian Foster performance. So we'll see how it progresses. The Texans play the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Again, George, how do they slow down Chris Johnson at Reliance Stadium? Like I said in the last segment, I think that Antonio Smith coming back is a huge deal for the Texans. Even though he's more of a premier pass rusher, I think that he sets an edge that allows J.J. Watt to get a lot more tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that at the end of the day, you have to be able to contain him at the line of scrimmage because if he gets outside on your corners, he has some moves that will cause corners to to throw fits. It's going to be a crazy game in that aspect, and if they can get him some passes out of the backfield, I think he'll be much more effective than trying to run the ball up up against the Texans. Okay. All right. Well, let's see here. We talked about Tennessee uh, main guy, and we talked about the Texas deal. Final score of the game before we move on to another topic. Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't like predictions, but I'll go with a 35 to 21 victory for the Texans. Okay. Um, okay. With, with, with you really seeing Owen Daniels step up like he did last week. And uh, you'll you'll see a little bit more of that controversy in the running back position as well. I think that Tate will get a couple, and and Foster will get a couple of touchdowns, and and Andre Johnson, of course, he's always going to poke his head in there. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins will make a a quick uh, appearance as well. Um, he's 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 a great rookie to have on the team, and I think that he'll do well uh, against this Tennessee Titans uh, secondary. All right, switching gears from the NFL to the college football gridiron this weekend, we got the sequel between the. Number one ranked Alabama Crimson, Crimson Tide coming to College Station to play the Texas A&M Aggies. Who will win this game and why? I don't know who will win this game, to be honest with you, because this this matchup is a great matchup, and I think that if Johnny Manziel can be the Johnny Manziel that you saw last year against Alabama, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a way for them to stop him. But if Johnny Manziel is this arrogant, 
cocky Johnny Manziel that we've been seeing as of late, I think that the Alabama defense is going to show him that you can be arrogant and cocky against any other team, but we are the Crimson Tide. We are Alabama, and we will make sure that we stop you. Now, Manziel, in their last meeting, passed for 253 yards and two touchdowns. He ran for an additional 92 yards. So you look at that stat, and if he can duplicate those numbers, I definitely think that the A&M team will have a chance. But I think that Johnny Football needs to stop being Johnny Football and go back to Johnny Manziel. Go back to your roots and, and, and really see what you can do from that aspect. Don't let all this fame and fortune get to your head. Let's go out there and play football. What got you famous is your ability on the field, so keep that. Keep that as what you're doing. So I think that Johnny Manziel comes out and has a great game. I think that the A&M will, will come out victorious, but I think that if he continues to be arrogant the way that he has been, I think the Crimson Tide is going to roll tide on him. All right. Well, good stuff there, George. And uh, like always, I appreciate you coming on the show each and every week. No problem, man. And uh, like I said, I'll be here every single time. I love being on the show, man. Uh, thanks for having you on the show. And I want to thank the listeners out there for listening to the show Outside the Huddle with Lee Mott Williams. Until we meet again next week, you guys be blessed and have a safe weekend. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel.